Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. I am very excited because I actually get to sit in person with my guest tonight, and there's there's even a second guest in the room with me. Uh, Princess Leia is with me, believe it or not, and I so wish that this was a visual and not an audio right now because you you really need that. Uh, to meet her. She's fabulous. Uh, So with that cliffhanger, (laughs) I am going to just dive right in and and also thank Sandra, who is our Christian writing leader. And she is the one who connects me with so many amazing uh, authors and they get to come on and tell their story. So I have Kristen with me, uh, Kristen and Princess Leia. So Kristen, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the listeners, tell them a little bit about Uh, who you are and uh, maybe introduce Princess Leia. (laughs) I would love to. (laughs) Well, the most important person here is Princess Leia Freya, uh, our 113-pound Newfoundland dog. She's dainty for Newfoundland. (laughs) And she was really wanting to uh, sniff into the microphone earlier, but I think I think we've calmed her down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's just sleeping here beside us. So I am Kristen Joy Wilkes, and goodness, I live off-grid at Mm -hmm. Camus Meadows Bible Camp. Um, It's just the best place. (laughs) We have to uh, make our own power, plow our own roads. We have a well, and when it breaks, we have to fix it or call in an expert. My husband's the camp director there, and uh, my grandparents were the founders and uh, my parents worked there for many years as well. So as the camp director's wife, <laughs> I imagine it's a lot like being a pastor's wife in that I don't really get a title, but I do all the things that <laughs> fall through the cracks. Like recently I had to run and find a chainsaw because a tree had fallen across the road. And also our generator ran out of fuel. And so we have no power and we can't pump water and our fridges don't work. And so clearly we needed it back on again. And so um, I ran out to figure out how to pump the fuel into it, but the pump also requires power. And so, so we're like, what do we do? And so I had to call my husband and he told me where the secret stash of diesel was hidden in a little can that does not say diesel put the secret stash of diesel into the generator and you turn it on and then you run to the pump and you run back with the hose and then you pump as fast as you can hoping that the generator will not die before the tiny gulp of diesel that you gave it has been eaten (laughs) so that was that is what a a camp director's wife does (laughs) yes Many adventures, many adventures. And, you know, when you say you live off the grid, I know there are so many people that that that's almost like a fantasy to them where they think, oh, it'd be so nice to just unplug and disconnect (laughs) from this world, especially for our listeners who are, uh, you know, living in a pretty, uh, you know, modern day America lifestyle. 
but they have no clue what this is like. I mean, it's the, a lot of hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just no concept. It's close, you know, maybe in, maybe in the mind, it's sort of this glorified little fantasy of, oh, live, you know, kind of simplify, live the simple life, right? And in some ways, your life is simple a lot of work. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. It's, so whenever it snows, my, my husband's like, no, and we love the snow. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But, you know, we get it four feet at a time. And so, <laughs> so he has to get out the plow truck and like, if there's just one foot of snow, my sons can drive down to school. That's okay. Our, our car can that's mush, the, that's the mush through that. That's the one foot. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, if it's over a foot, <laughs> he needs to plow before they go to school. So wow. that sometimes that means plowing late, late at night or early, early in the morning. And whenever you plow, something breaks on the plow truck. It's just pieces fall off and... And you're like, why is the blade sideways? It won't lift and the hydraulics and yeah. <laughs> I really do think we could probably fill an entire episode or more of just the adventures of, of Kristen and Princess Leia <laughs> in the kind of the, maybe the middle of nowhere off the grid, right? But there's, there's so much more to your story of, well, I immediately I'm sure listeners are wondering, uh, how, how did you get there? Have you always lived there? Have you always lived like this? How did your grandparents start this? So what's it all about? How did you meet your husband? You know, all of those kind of life stories. Uh, and of course your dog's a part of this. Yes. And then your, your, your work as an author, what do you do? What are you writing? Why all those wonderful things? So I am going to hand it over to you to uh, tell us your life story. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Well, it starts with my grandparents and my grandmother became a Christian as a girl and my grandfather was not a Christian and she didn't know. And, but you know, they fell in love and they got married and they had four kids and he was older, like his forties, I believe maybe fifties when he came to Christ. It was so exciting uh, to have this happen. Um, and my father was in kind of a tumultuous time of his life. He was their youngest. He went to Central Washington University and it did not go well. And he came home right around when my grandfather was starting to be interested in the Lord. He came home just kind of in despair, angry, depressed, and he got a job in a friend's orchard and just nothing was working. It was a very hard time for him. One of his workers felt the Lord calling him to ask a coworker to church. And he, he had a church bulletin hidden on his person. And, uh, and he's like, Lord, who should I ask? And the Lord said, you should ask the person you think is least likely to come. To church. <laughs> and, of course. Yes. That's the Lord's logic. And this uh, worker was thinking this is not a great plan. <laughs> um, and he happened to glance at his boss, my father, who had he has a had a famous scowl that some have said I have inherited. And he just was scowling. He looked angry. He was angry. <laughs> and so he's like, 
oh Lord, are you sure? And the Lord said, yes. And so he walked up to my father and he said, would you like to go to church with me? And my dad said, yes, yes, I would. So anticlimactic. (laughs) He's like, you know, so he hands him the bulletin and my dad went back to church after a a fairly long hiatus. Mm -hmm. And this this moment uh, sent him in the direction of Bible college Mm -hmm. and where he became a pastor and he met my mother Mm -hmm. and my grandfather came to know the Lord right in that time. Well, when my dad was in Bible college and um, my grandparents had a section of property it was just property. There was no well, there was no power. It had a logging road, like a hundred year old logging road <laughs> that went to it. This is in Washington. Sort of. Yes, it is in Washington. There was nothing there. There were a few uh, fences. I talked to my grandfather before this and he corrected me. <laughs> there was something there. There were some corrals. So <laughs> there were corrals because hunters would come and park their horses in the corrals. So there were corrals. So a section of this property they wanted to give to the Lord because my grandfather was a newer Christian and they just felt this burden of we want to give back and we want to do it with a chunk of property. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandmother and my father were praying, praying, praying what to do with this property. I believe they prayed for three days. And um, when my dad was home from uh, Multnomah School of the Bible and grandpa didn't realize they were praying this, but he just popped up with, you know what we should do with that property, Autumn? (laughs) And my grandma, Autumn, she's like, what? (laughs) She knew this was it. She felt that tingle in her heart. She knew this was the answer. And he said, we should start a youth camp. Um, and she and dad looked at each other and they're like, yes, that is it. Um, and they knew nothing about <laughs> youth camps, nothing. I don't... And, um, and they just did it. They, there was no, maybe we don't know anything about youth camps. They just did it. And they got their pastor's help and um, improved the roads. You know, they went to talk to the authorities about, you know, can we do a camp there? And they're like, sure, you can do whatever you want, but we're not going to plow you out. <laughs> and, and they didn't, at that point, you'd have to plow the full five miles. Um, we just plow three now. Just three. <laughs> three two. Yeah. And grandpa's like, done. <laughs> because actually before this, they had enjoyed the property uh, for fun mm-hmm. uh, and they plowed with horses in the snow. They would get a wedge of, of wood and drag it behind the horses <laughs> to plow out. So they had snowmobiles that could go in the snow uh-huh. and the horses could go in the snow. So he's like, we can do that. <laughs> so that was the beginning. And their first camp was in 1973. <laughs> so yes that was the beginning yeah, that's amazing you, you know as you're kind of telling this story I just I'm, I can't help but think back to the to the man that 
nervously asked your dad, (laughs) would you like to go with me to church? And, you know, where, where is he now? Or did he ever know kind of what he started? I mean, that was definitely a tiny little thing that (laughs) what God can do. And I guess that's just an encouragement for anyone listening. If you think I really don't want to reach out to this person in that way or the other, but and maybe you really don't know what's going to happen after that. It's it's mind blowing how many people I talk with who have an incredible story that just sort of snowballed after one tiny little something that someone in their life was willing to step out in faith for. Yeah, that's when you hear that call, mm-hmm. you got to answer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. That was the start of the rental groups, and uh, they built a large lodge and a small lodge and three little cabins, and they dug a well, and uh, well, it started with the spring. Um, actually, <laughs> so my grandfather was a milkman before this, and he um, would go down to the spring, which um, in our part of Washington, wherever you have a grove of aspen trees, you pretty much have a spring there because they don't, they don't grow well without a lot of water. And so they just cluster in islands around spring. We'd go down to the spring and he'd fill big old metal milk jugs with water and he'd haul them back and set them there for the campers who would all take a dipper and just slurp water out of the dipper. And they all shared the dipper, which, you know, is not germ friendly. <laughs> this is the 70s, this right? Is the 70s. This is not like 1910. This is no, no. <laughs> so, but if you are wanting to come to camp, things have improved <laughs> with the water. I just want to like yeah, that's a good point. Um yes. But yeah, so humble beginnings <laughs> for sure. And so grandpa and grandma and my great aunt ran rental groups so a church could come up and rent the camp for their church group and they would have their own plan they'd run their own program they'd train their own counselors and grandma and grandpa and Aunt Uli would facilitate <laughs> and um my father was a pastor at this time and I was there and my brother was there he was a pastor in Wishkov Washington <laughs> and he felt the call to start our own camps where we ran the program and where we trained the counselors and where we found the speaker Mm -hmm. and kids could just come to camp. They didn't have to have a church. They could just step through the doors and become a camper because we take care of everything. Well, my grandparents weren't going to do this, nor was great aunt Lily. And he felt this call and this burden. And he talked to the camp board and said, so what if I move up there and start Camus Run Camps? And they said, that sounds like a fabulous idea. We can't pay you, but you go and do whatever you want. (laughs) And he said, done. (laughs) And so he left. He left a church that loved him. And um, packed up all of our stuff. We had a house and we packed up our our angry circus pony that I prayed up 
Uh, I prayed for a year for this pony <laughs> every night for a year. And someone gave us a pony against my parents' wishes. <laughs> she was shortcake, shortcake. And she bit and she kicked and she reared up and galloped off with you. And she stole spaghetti noodles from the compost pile. She was amazing. And drank soda. She drank soda. So we had our angry circus pony. She was wonderful. And we had to move her. And everything else from Wishka to Camas Meadows, about six hours. And how old are you at this point? I was eight. And um, eight-year-olds have great faith. I saw no, nothing wrong with this scheme whatsoever. <laughs> I was going to say you could... You could either be, oh my gosh, I'm leaving everything I know. I don't want to do this. Or this is fun. This is a great adventure. And it sounds like you were in the, this is fun. Thrilled, thrilled. This is, Uh, my brother was six and um, we had a little dog and guinea pigs (laughs) and um, and they just drove up to camp Mm -hmm. and, um, and he just got to work. Uh Um, Eventually they did pay him. (laughs) That's helpful. Yes, but no, my uh, my parents knew my grandparents wouldn't let us starve. And so that was enough. Yeah. They um, said, we are going to do this. And they ran camps the first summer. We moved there in May. Wow. And he was running our own camps uh, in June. <laughs> I, you know, being married to a camp director, I have no idea how he did that. But he did it's just, it was clearly a call from the Lord and, and no one else heard it. He was all on his own in this. He was like, this is important. Uh, And so he did it. And looking back, he just had six years, just six summers Mm -hmm. to get our summer camp ministry going. And it's like, now it makes a little bit of sense. And also, you know, it doesn't make sense to lose someone early at all. But the urgency mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was just really getting rolling uh, by the time we lost him. Um, but he started the whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Camps run by us mm-hmm. where a kid could step out of wherever yeah. and come to camp. Wow. So then you were a teenager when he died. I was 14. Yeah, I had gotten my first job was at camp cleaning after uh, rental groups left. Um, and that was on a Sunday, it was January 3rd, 1993. I wasn't feeling good. And he, my last conversation with him, he said, it's okay, Kristen, I'll take care of camp. You just go read your book. I know you don't feel good. And the last time my mom saw him, he, um, oh, (laughs) the Lord gave us two more horses. We were given three, three horses, wonderful horses. But he was taking oats down to my horses Mm -hmm. on the snowmobile because you can't just drive your oats down there. And he was driving the snowmobile with the oats. Um, driving them down to the barn. Oh, well, he went to work on, we had a 
at our home, we had a generator and a battery system and he was working on the batteries. Uh, but in order to see inside the generator shed, he left the generator on and he thought it was properly ventilated. Uh, but snow started falling really thick and it pressed the exhaust into the shed. And, it, and yeah, my mom and I did CPR for a long time. The ambulances didn't come because our roads are were not ambulance friendly. Um, so we ended up having to put him in the back of a truck. And my mom and neighbor kept doing CPR on him while my grandfather drove the truck down our icy roads. And they met the ambulance and they did CPR and uh, he was gone. He was he was gone when we found him. We just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so that was very hard, and it it didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, he was doing such amazing work at the camp, and he was such a good camp director. He was mm-hmm. so fun, and and like he was one of those rare people that could be so fun, but also could control a room. Mm-hmm. It's like he just give them a look, and everyone's like. <gasps> I was like oh so he could be rowdy and fun and then he could just calm them all down but yeah so we lost him right in the middle of ministry right in the middle of good things happening and it's strange the Lord I know because of because of a story I know that the Lord provided for this for us, for comfort. I still don't know why. It just doesn't make sense. But my maternal grandfather, uh, not the camp grandfather, (laughs) that's uh, my paternal grandparents. He was a pastor. And as he was getting near retirement age, uh, the Lord told him to move close to my mom. Uh, He said, move close to Judy. They moved. um, They were within an hour and a half of us. They just moved. And then both sets of grandparents were there. They were close by and came. And and so it just, on the one hand, God knew ahead. He could have stopped it. Mm -hmm. He took my dad. But he provided for us in loving care, mm-hmm. knowing that it would be hard. Um, and so <laughs> it's like you feel simultaneously upset and angry and cherish mm-hmm. at the same time. And so it is an interesting mix <laughs> of emotions there, but he is clearly watching and caring mm-hmm. for us, though not fixing all of the things. <laughs> I appreciate you authentically calling that out because that is something I hear all the time. And I imagine many listeners have felt where you are, you're simultaneously angry at God for not stopping something, but also seeing his, his loving grace in your, in your grief or in your trauma that he, that he's there for you. And it's kind of this back and forth, like, oh my gosh, I love you. And I need you. And I see you, but why didn't you do a, B or C and, and just wrestling with that. I think yeah. can handle our wrestling. 
He can. It's <laughs> well, there's the Psalms. <laughs> All of right. the Psalms. Yeah, God can handle um all of the emotions that he mm-hmm. has enabled us to experience mm-hmm. you, they do not surprise him mm-hmm. um, and so here you are a teenager yes. now with both sets of grandparents and your mom and your brother and animals in the kind of the <laughs> middle of of you know kind of this remote place yeah. with this camp this incredible ministry that that your dad largely built and and then it, now what? I mean, <laughs> it clearly didn't just fall apart and fizzle and end. No, and part we kind of expected, you know, it was crazy. We're like, how do we keep going? And uh, my mom, they, you don't realize how, like, the person you pay to know how to run camp, they're gone all of a sudden. <laughs> No one else knows how to do it, um, but uh, their wife knows the most. And so, <laughs> so my mom answered so many questions um, in the middle of her grief. And my aunt, Jean, uh, came and ran camps that first summer. She actually um, went to Bible college for camp ministry. Um, and she ran camps that first summer. And uh, we hired a couple of other camp directors who came and went. Uh, they kept us going. Um, and I actually became a camp counselor uh, in my teens. My camp name is Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. um, we all got camp names. My mom remarried. And for uh, my first few college years, I moved with them. Uh, to the west side of Washington in Federal Way. And so I started dating this man. And actually, he already had a camp name. He was a speaker. <laughs> and they named him Scruffy. Because... Is that a different conversation for the first date? <laughs> <laughs> well, what are your camp names? <laughs> yes. Well, he, he showed up at camp with these jeans he'd been sheetrocking in. And if you've ever hung sheetrock, you know that you put the um, sheetrock on your legs and it just cuts the jeans mm. to pieces. And then he had a holy flannel and he had a holy hat. <laughs> it was inevitable. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he had been a camp speaker uh, and we were dating. And one of uh, the current camp director uh, left. It was May, (laughs) right before summer camp. The camp board and my grandparents uh, were flummoxed. (laughs) They're like, how are we possibly going to run summer camps? Mm -hmm. My boyfriend had gone to Alaska to look for work uh, because we were hoping to get married and he was going to make his fortune in Alaska. Uh, His brother worked up on the slope um, and made a lot of money and the oil market crashed. It's basically like as he's on the plane flying to Alaska, they started firing people. They weren't hiring and he spent four months looking for jobs in Alaska while and then the camp director left and he comes back (laughs) and they asked him to be the camp director and he's a landscape architect (laughs) and a youth pastor (laughs) and he's like 
there's no way. What does a camp director do? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is everything. But... <laughs> so they asked him and I was there and I was very upset because I knew how hard it mm. is to run camp. And so we left that meeting. I was upset. And Daryl was or scruffy <laughs> was overwhelmed. He's like, is there any way I could even do this? Um, but we prayed as we're leaving to go on a date. And we said, Lord, we don't think we can do this. This seems difficult. <laughs> but if you want us to do this, we know that you'll give us the strength. Mm-hmm. So let us know. We went on our date and I calmed down. <laughs> and he started having ideas how he could actually do it and feeling, oh, maybe I do have the skills. Maybe I can learn the skills. And we came back from our date and we prayed again. And this time we realized our prayer had changed. We prayed, Lord, we want to do this but we don't know if we can. And we don't know if you want us to do this. Tell us if you don't want us to do this. Mm -hmm. And it was just so clear. It was such a clear call. And how many years ago was that? 23. (laughs) (laughs) And that leads into why, why I write romantic comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, switch switch it is 23 years of camp life camp wife life (laughs) and now we're gonna find out about her author life (laughs) no it is because ministry is hard because you are loving people and you are giving your heart to people and so many, so many people, and it's to campers and to counselors, our staff that we train ourselves and speakers and nurses and cooks. And mm-hmm. when you are called to love so many different people who come in and out of your life, you get hurt a lot. It's a painful mm-hmm. thing to to love <laughs> yeah we recently had a, a staff member we love very very much uh take her own life and it just tears you apart mm-hmm. because it hurts so much to love someone with Having grieved so many times, I hold on to the funny things when they come my way because they, they're not separated. You have these tragedies and this heartache and then something really, really funny mm-hmm. happens right in the middle of it. And it's baffling and it is lovely. Yeah. Um, and so I write them down. And I hang on to the funny stories because they are a gift mm-hmm. and they, they help me keep going. And I need to read or watch something funny when I am uh, heartbroken. 
it is just something that helps me. And after collecting these funny stories over the years, I was like, I want to write the funny things. And I, I've tried to write more serious things and it doesn't work. <laughs> I just was like, oh, this is so dramatic. <laughs> And I ended up writing funny things instead. And I just, these crazy stories will happen. And um, I think that the Lord wants someone to put them down. He's given them to us. They have clearly happened. And so I collect them and write these crazy stories that are sparked by the real funny things Mm -hmm. in our lives. We had a Newfoundland dog before, Leia. Mm-hmm. Leia is a dainty 113 pounds. <laughs> Shamu, our previous Newfoundland, was 163 pounds. <laughs> so he's a good 50 pounds high, uh, heavier. And Newfoundlands, Mayo, she just sighed. She just big <laughs> sigh and stretch. <laughs> like, oh. She's like, I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he, Newfoundlands make wonderful, calm adult dogs. They make very rowdy puppies, giant rowdy puppies. And so something that sparked uh, Copenhagen cousinage was watching, my husband was walking our puppy, our over 100 pounds of puppy. puppy. <laughs> and uh, they're water dogs, they're water rescue dogs um, and fishermen's dogs. Well, he had very strong water instincts. And so we were walking along. My husband's holding the leash. He's a big man. He's six one. Um, and, he, you know, we think he's safe. <laughs> and Shamu sees the Columbia River. He catches the glimpse of the river. And Daryl was looking away. And Shamu just charged Mm -hmm. and he hit the end of the leash and I thought this only happened in cartoons but my big husband just was knocked into the air and he seemed to hover there for a moment (laughs) like horizontally (laughs) like a a cartoon (laughs) like like when the cartoon smells pie and the cartoon character floats along. Yeah. So he just seemed to hover there for a moment. And then he slammed down on the ground and then went skidding across the grass on his face behind our dog. And he just kept bouncing along. And, oh, it was amazing. I was like, <laughs> Husband. It was so amazing. And I did go and check on him after laughing. <laughs> but to be fair, Shamu also did that to me and he laughed too. <laughs> but we both lived and I was just like, I've got to collect some of these crazy dog events we've had. Surely there's a story that could accommodate mm-hmm. a large and unruly dog. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And uh, I wrote it around when um, we lost Shamu, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, commemorating mm-hmm. all of our wild dog moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is a this is a published book that people could could yes. order and read of all of the antics of beloved Shamu. Yes, <laughs> yes. I made up a dog, Leroy. Okay. Leroy is the dog, and <laughs> so. The publisher wanted, they, they have three things they want. They wanted it set in Copenhagen, Denmark. They wanted a dog, a friendly dog, 
a gravel road and afternoon brunch. And I was like, done. <laughs> How can do this? There's actually a fancy hotel in a really old theme park in Copenhagen that serves afternoon brunch with caviar, you know, just the place where you want to bring your large dog. Sure. <laughs> it's the Nim Hotel. But yes, yeah, she, she arrives at the airport and a handsome man like gives her this dog. I'll be right back. And he's not right <laughs> back. He leaves her with the dog. You know, one of the things we talked about before when, when mm. we first met on the phone was yeah. just the, the place for grief and the place for humor. Mm. And I, I think it's, it's not that you're escaping or running away from the hard parts of life, but that there really, there really is a lot of joy in life and there really is a lot of humor in it. And to find that and let that, I mean, that's, that's a biblical, this, a, a cheerful heart is good mm. medicine and that laughter and smiling. And these are all really, really wonderful things. They feed our soul. And, uh, I, uh, I do remember you sharing and, and maybe, you know, we can give our listeners a little taste of uh, comedy life with, uh, Kristen as her motherhood journey. <laughs> Cause you think oh, yes. of just <laughs> listening to you tell a little bit about what it's like to, uh, raise children, given where you live and the lifestyle you have there. And this is, I mean, just it's off the beaten path. It is not quite what the rest of maybe moms are used to. Yes, it was very exciting. I have three sons. <laughs> so um, they're all teenagers now. Which that is... right there is you know, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually it is. I write down the things they say and post them to my blog. It's so, they're so funny. But, you know, they weren't always teenagers. They were <laughs> little boys, very fast, very muddy little boys. And when my youngest was a baby, so he's a nursing baby, but his brothers need to get outside all the time. They're very active children. They um, So his middle brother was two and his oldest brother was four. And so I loaded them up in my jogging stroller and um, I probably took Shamu with me, <laughs> our Newfoundland at the time. And I went down to the creek because my um, older two love to wade in the creek and they love to just watch sticks flow down mm -hmm. the creek and leaves and just splash. Yeah. So I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. And so I found a little grassy spot by the bank um, and a log and I brought my boppy nursing pillow um, and uh, my two oldest were uh, they were on a little board that was across the creek as a bridge. It was several boards, so it was actually a little wider. Um, it could accommodate them. And I was nursing the baby. I was sitting on a log with the baby nursing. And then I was watching my two. And Theo, my middle son, just plunged headfirst off of the little bridge into the pool of the creek and normally it's not very deep but there's that one spot of course <laughs> that it was and I was like oh my goodness he's gone and so I had grabbed the baby and put him in the grass and run over to the creek and 
sees Theo and yank him out of the water and grab Gina who's leaping around, you know, screaming. <laughs> and like the baby's screaming over on the ground and, and the wet two-year-old is screaming and the four-year-old is like very excited. And I realized that's probably not the normal way a mother nurses her baby. <laughs> very rowdy it's very dirty <laughs> and wet <laughs> and um that is what life was like mm-hmm. raising three sons in the forest <laughs> but no we saw bears while we we're out with the jogging stroller oh. and, and elk and we can hear them fighting in the fall i'd leave the window open and you hear them bugling all night. And sometimes you actually hear the clack of their antlers as they're attacking one another. Not an easy place to live, but well worth the effort um, to do so. So if, if people are listening and thinking, oh, I would love to, you know, go to that camp, maybe for a retreat or, or the summer, or I, I want to listen to elk fighting in the <laughs> distance or see some bears. Or... <laughs> so for those listeners who are, you know, interested in, in more, it, I'm assuming this is not just summer, but then no. you're doing this all, yeah. all year, year long. long, all year long. And is there a website or yes. any, yeah. Yes, it's uh, camasmeadows.org, and camas is C-A-M-A-S, like the camas flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, um, like your church, can rent the camp uh, mm-hmm. and run your own retreat, or if, you know, it's just one camper or, you know, a group of friends, uh, they can come to our camps in the summer, or we have a junior high camp in the winter and a senior high camp in the winter. As always, listeners, anything we reference will have uh, listed in the episode notes, so you can click on it pretty easily. And another another set of references I was hoping you'd mention. You've we've, you've mentioned one of your books, and you've mentioned a blog. So okay. what else is you know for those who are maybe wanting to read what you publish? What what are all the options, and where do they find them? There's Copenhagen Cousinage, which has a Newfoundland. There's Athens Ambuscade, which has a cat. And uh, let's see, there's Spider Gap, which is actually a a 21-mile backpacking trip that I took as a teen. And so I, of course, took made a heroine who was not used to backpacking and sent her on this trip with her purse dog. Uh, So that's a Havanese dog in, in Spider Gap. Oh, the Volk Advent has a uh, Malamute and is Christmas in Russia. Uh, Yellowstone Yandering has a Scottish Terrier, a bold Scottish Terrier who escapes in Yellowstone National Park. And anyone who knows Scottish Terriers will know that they will challenge every animal to a duel to the death. <laughs> no matter how large that animal is and so they are not the dog you want to no. escape in Yellowstone and then I have chicken crossing which has chickens <laughs> we have pet chickens I have found pet chickens on my son's bunk beds 
they were like hiding them under the blankets so I wouldn't find them, but they were clucking. <laughs> so it's like, what is that clucking from your bed? <laughs> yes. So from our mini adventures with pet chickens came Chicken Crossing, which is actually free on my website. Uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, you get Chicken Crossing free. <laughs> And then I wrote one from the point of view of the chicken. No. So it's the same story, um, but written for children. So in Chicken Crossing, the people have driven a trailer of 15 chickens over Blewett Pass, and they've crashed, and the chickens went into the wilderness, and they must find them. And chickens are really hard to catch. (laughs) Well, in um, Dandelion Flufums, and this is the name of the head hen, the lead hen. Her name is Dandelion Flufums. Well, in her story, she is looking for her boy. So she is boldly traversing the forest in search of her boy. She is not lost at all. So they're the same story, but um, the, the chicken has very different views about what has actually happened than the people do. <laughs> I mean, no one listening has ever experienced that, right? Where two people are telling the same story, but from different perspectives and they remember it different ways. Yes. <laughs> and that's people and not a chicken. <laughs> that could probably be, you know, one of those family conversations of we're going to read both books and have this discussion over how <laughs> we see things differently. Oh. Yes, I I actually wrote it hoping that, because my sons would always be like, what are you reading? What are you reading? I was hoping that kids would see their mom reading Chicken Crossing. And they're like, what are you reading? And she could be like, well, here's the same book for you, your age. Yeah. And they could read Dandelion Flufums. But <laughs> plan. Oh, KristenJoyWilks.com. That's where they're they're at it's it's fun to imagine all of these stories with all the different animals and all part of God's creation and and I love it I do think I'm just having that humor in the midst of life's hardships and and grief because especially the lifestyle you lead it could it would be very easy for some people to just be tired and bitter and angry and frustrated and this is hard and rather than to see the adventure in it and see the humor in it and the just the the funny antics that that go along with a lifestyle like you've had for really the bulk of your life yeah from age eight to um yeah 43 well as we uh kind of wrap up we we always close our episodes with prayer. And so often I'm asking speakers to pray for listeners over really big kind of heavy traumatic things that they may be going through. And and I'm actually going to kind of ask you to maybe do something a little different and, and to pray for these listeners to find joy and humor and that, that they would be giggling this week and I don't find a belly laugh. I don't, just the things that life, life can be hard and it can, it can swallow you. Uh, and so just praying for that joy. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Sovereign God. I thank you so much for the care that you give to us. I thank you for walking with us uh, through the hard times. Um, I thank you 
for the gifts that you give. I thank you for those funny moments that just surprise us out of the blue and make us laugh when our hearts are breaking and make us laugh on ordinary days. Lord, I pray for the listeners today um, that you would bless them abundantly. I pray that you would open their eyes to see what you've given them. I pray that you would give them some extra, extra special laughter and joy this week, Lord. I pray that they would notice the crazy thing their kid did and notice their their pets and the neighbor's animals um, in all of their funny animal drama and that they would that they would find joy when something hard happens like like that time my husband fell through our ceiling and (laughs) it was it was kind of painful for him but we've been laughing about it for like 10 years lord and and it's something that ties us together um that whenever someone's walking on the rafters we look at each other and we laugh and we remember that time i pray that you would do that for the listeners today that they would see the joyful, funny, uh, delightful things that surround us, even even when we're brokenhearted, Lord, that you would help them heal in all of the ways that you heal broken hearts uh, with friends and with comforting words and um, food brought by neighbors and weeping and memories and laughter. Uh, that they would see the laughter too. Mm -hmm. I thank you so much for your love and care, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kristen, for telling us about your life, telling us about the camp and all the adventures of the animals in your stories. And it's so nice to meet you, Princess Leia Freya. She has had a very nice nap during this interview. She has. She might be snoring. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. If you heard anything in the background, ladies, that's <laughs> that's why. But I, again, thank you for being here and, and for sharing. And I hope, ladies, that you got some good smiles and some encouragement out of this episode. Thank you for listening. And we hope you join us next time for our next story. Good night, you. The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.